You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. What up? Rock and roll. Yo, yo. you guys? I was being an avatar earlier, Andy. I was going to be a, well, I'll show you. It's a commercial property I have listed. Is that not cool or what? Does this count as his commercial? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you don't get two commercials. Let me be an avatar while doing Andy's commercial for him today. I think we should do each other's commercials. Oh, boy. Do that. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ready? Go. Oh, boy. <laughs> Should be interesting. If you if Andy's willing, I'm willing. I'm in. All right, let's do it. We're gonna do that. What uh, right. what's up with you guys today? I don't know, but there looks like a lot of clickbait on this uh topic today. Nick's yeah, trying to, this is Nick's what it's all about. I'm not yeah, trying to say you guys are what what kind of t-shirts are we selling at the fair here, guys? Come on. Yep. We're exactly. supposed to be legit business. <laughs> I don't care. Actually, I like, the, I like the attention on it. It's good because a lot of times, you know, these topics go out and, and people can say whatever they want about the show. We At least we're being honest and we're being straightforward and using our personal experiences as real estate agents with clients um, on air to share what's happening in the world. So all these people that are thinking about it, dreaming about it, wishing about it, you know. Well, Andy, speaking of that, we got our first YouTube hate comment. I just put that on the side. I said, you know, that's on our feed, right? And you're like, yup. Yeah, this is a big step for us in the YouTube channel. Like when you start getting people commenting and not commenting positively, that means things are moving in the right direction. But I'm going to show you. Vote. Yeah, I want you guys to, to respond to this guy. This is It was on oh. our, our Gen Z and Millennials priced out of the market video. This is like two months ago. This is what he oh, commented. Oh, when I, when I basically attacked all of them? Yep. <laughs> Oh boy, what do we got? Listen, if you cannot see that your wages grew more than ours and that your costs were substantially lower for everything, then you are just trying to save your ego. You all had it easier from an economic standpoint. We have technology. I would take what you had any day. <laughs> I want to say something like, well, go hug your app and go to sleep, but I'm not going to say that. I'm I'm a professional, Chris, darn it. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, yeah. here's the thing. I, I look at, you know, there, there's always um, there's always victims. I mean, there just is. It's just the way the world works. There's somebody that wins and somebody that loses. Nobody wants to lose. Nobody wants to be a victim. Nobody wants to be the underdog. Everybody wants a promotion. Everybody wants the trophy. Everybody wants to be the world champion. We get it. That's called being competitive. And so when you're in a situation where you got dealt lemons, there are people who would say make lemonade. And there's other people that say, boy, I have to suck all these sour lemons. I have I have canker sores from all the lemons, you know? So it's like, I don't know. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not sitting there in a place of, I've worked my ass off my whole career. And anybody that ever wants to question what I've ever done or opportunities I've been handed, I'm going to say bullshit. And uh, the reason why I'd say that is you haven't gone through a housing crisis like Chris and I did, where your careers and all the people that you consider to be your equals went away. They lost their houses. They lost their jobs. They lost their retirement accounts. They lost all the equity or anything that they thought that was even proportionately reasonable for at their age, and they lost it. So boo freaking who? I, I'm not sure I got my college paid for either. Well, I actually, I, actually, I, I did. Tax breaks. But I earned that. What? I didn't get any tax breaks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you can look at anything over history and uh, kind of say the pluses and the minuses of it. You pick kind of what you think is – uh, your argument and you go with it and I'm sure you can win with that. But I, again, I think you just, the, the whole excuse thing is just to me is ridiculous. I just, sure. You, there's no, you don't need excuses. Just, just get to work and do it. Well, and, and right, Chris, and think about this for a second and I'm not, I'm not, okay. That individual, I'm not picking on them individually. This is not what I'm saying, right. but with interest rates being that low for eight years and you missed that, that's the biggest freaking flattest moving barge I've ever seen. If you can't jump off the dock and get on the barge after it's been sitting there for eight years moving this fast, I mean, my God, 
it, you, I hate to say it, but maybe you're not a buyer. And yeah, but a lot of people say this. A lot of people say that, especially the millennials, is like, okay, well, I, I got out of college when the financial crisis hit. There was no jobs, um, the inflation. They'll say like the stats you said about um, what uh, tuition cost, what uh, how easy it was to buy a home, and you you could have a wife at home and three kids. And yeah, I yeah. think there's definitely you guys had pros, and now we have pros. Like my lifestyle wasn't attainable for you guys at all, right? But you got to figure out what is working now and what is not working but for sure your traditional pay, way of life is definitely a lot harder for our people our generation there's no question about that i mean you, you know can't what deny though, nick and here's what's funny so and, and i used to always say this about the baby boomers i'm like you know back in the day and i don't want to be zoomed in because i don't want this to be a feature but you know <laughs> our generation thought the baby boomers had had an easy way too oh they had they could they could work at a gas station and have a pool in the backyard and a car and you know, the, the significant other stayed home with their children and they went to private schools and they made three grand a year. I mean, you know, and it's like, so the ratios are off. You know, you can't right now sit there and be a school teacher and buy the peninsula on Gull Lake, like a guy that I knew did um, for $3,800. Those, but the opportunities are different. Your generation may have made a fortune on crypto, but they may, may have made a fortune on apps or they may have made a fortune on whatever. So those opportunities are there. It's all in how you put your goggles on in the morning. Are you, you know, looking for opportunities that you can capture or are you just looking backwards, which makes you trip going forwards? So I always look at it and say our generation, sorry. I missed Go it. Go ahead and put the gal up. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the sour well, patch one was way funnier. This is what I would say from a coaching perspective. There, there is um, every day you have to wake up and every day things are different. They may feel the same sometimes, but they're different. And, and how are you going to, you know, look at competitively? How do I provide for myself, my family, my future retirement? If, I mean, you know, and, and I look at that, look at how many uh, baby boomers that I was jealous of that right now can't retire. Millions. There's millions of people that are broke trying to live the lifestyle that America tries to keep us sustaining. You know this, I have to have a big house and fancy cars and a cabin on the lake. And I have to, and they keep, they're, they're in their 70s working. I mean, it's, cra it's crazy to me, actually. And that, but now there's other people that say that's the whole reason why the economy is even still together is because the baby boomers didn't retire. When we did expect them to retire back in the early 2000s, people were talking about catastrophic economies. Like, because this huge wave of people were going to stop spending money and they didn't. So it, anyway. Yeah, Andy, I agree too. I just said like, you know, my life wasn't uh, um, accessible to you guys. Obviously, everything I do is through the phone, basically. And I can, you know, live like yeah. a king in these, you know, countries that are way less fortunate than the USA. But I was saying the traditional route, what he was talking about, he has points there. But then, like, your point is, okay, well, I used to look back and think the boomers had it all made, too. So I think we're both saying the same thing. And it's well, an interesting think topic. About this. Think about this, Nick. So you, you guys and your buddies, when you were younger, did physical labor probably when you're in high school for somebody. You know, you go and you shovel dirt or rock or whatever, like I did. I, I literally was paid $4 and 25 cents an hour when I was in college. So that was what, 30 years ago. So 30 years ago, I was making $4 and 25 cents an hour to dig freaking holes in, in tree, you know, and I thought I was killing it. And when I was up to six bucks an hour, I was like, Oh my God, I got kids that are working at McDonald's right now, making 20 bucks an hour, 25 bucks an hour. And so there are, so what I would say is that it, at the, at the entry level job level, now, can you live at that level? I probably doubt it. That's probably where, you know, you, you're correct. But the amount of money that they make at the bottom right now is crazy to me. You know what I mean? So you just basically quit high school and go and make 20 bucks an hour. And nobody cares if you have a degree or not. But on the other hand, you know, you look at like, look at the opportunities that are there to work from home. And you, in theory, like I look at a lot of like my children's um, buddies ages. They like to work their 38 hours or 40 hours and they're done. Chris and I, on the other hand, would have worked the 40 hour job and then worked another 40 hour job on top of it. I mean, it's just, it's a different, it's, it's like we were crazy. Like we work, 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 right? It's just different, you know? Wouldn't you agree, Chris? Or are you falling asleep? Sorry. No, yeah. I mean, I, I would be going after you, but I, I agree with what you're saying. So it's not. I mean, uh, do you remember like when we were kids, like when we were working, um, we, when we did have that chance to work, we were like, Hey man, jobs weren't readily available anyway, unless you want to do the crap jobs. And so a lot of times big guys like you and I that were, you know, good farm kids, but we didn't have farms. We'd, we'd go out there and do landscaping jobs or, 
you know, putting docks in and out for cash or whatever back in the day. And and I don't know. I was a landscaper, a painter, yep. and a uh, bartender. And that's yep. uh, and when you weren't landscaping and painting, you, t- you took some bartending shifts. You were schlepping drinks, man. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I'm not even excited. I'm just, I think that what happens is every generation has its own opportunities and its own disadvantages. And I think that one of the things that like with me, I look at that too. And I'm like, you know, for somebody to say, well, I wish I was your generation is interesting because I, I look at too, like what we had to go through in our peak earning years, having the complete legs of our stool wiped out underneath us and we got slammed on our faces. And I mean, I'm talking like serious stuff. When we're back in our late thirties, early forties, and, and that's when you're supposed to be making that money to throw it in the retirement account, stock market crashes, all of your money is gone. Your house depleted values. People are getting foreclosed on people are losing their jobs. It was crazy. I mean, it was actually, you know, for my kids, my kids go, I don't remember that dad. And I go, God bless it. Cause that's exactly what I was hoping you didn't remember it. I was, I was literally losing my hair, freaking out every day, trying to survive, provide for my family for about 10 years. It was, it was anyway. Yeah, I uh, I'll tell you what that it that's the sad part too though that they don't remember it. That, that, that that's of, good though, right? I mean, kind of, I think well, that's actually good. I don't want my kids to grow up thinking that they suffered. You know, I mean, of course, I want to provide a, a good life no, for them but too. But to learn anyway. to know what happened though is important. Um, yeah. You know, so you don't kind of get into it again. And uh, I don't know. I think there was a little falling into that. Um, you know that that craze of getting in and, and doing it. But the difference was, is that people were paying cash. The cash was the right. difference. The other time it was just, they'd give you a loan for anything. So you just had to pay a little more and then it was going to go up regardless. So why not, why not pay it? You know? Well, you know, and I will, Nick, I will jump on your bandwagon for a second here. I do. And I, and I apologize. I I'm obviously in a, a coffee fueled sermon here. Um, but the, the idea is this, you, you, when you look at like being a younger person right now and having the opportunities that are in front of you. And when, when we went through what we just went through and, and now we're in a situation where affordability is um, fairly low. And so when you look at the affordability index, they look at, you know, um, income, they look at house prices and they look at interest rates, right. Or how much of a percentage of that goes towards that. And for a long time, for the last 10 years, it's been one of the most affordable, this is no joke, and I'm not kidding. I don't know who they surveyed, but they say America. It was one of the most affordable housing markets we've been in with the amount of money that you made, the interest rates, the payments, and the ratio of that. Now, we've slipped below 100. And most people are like, oh, my God, that's catastrophic. We're at 98.5% on the affordability rate. We were at 198 two years ago. Well, here's what happens. That means that what, what is the capacity of the average earning family to make the average earning uh, or afford the average house. So if the average house is 440 across the country, and they're saying that 98% of the people that are working still can afford that. So it's it's not that it's cat. And before it was like 198%. So it meant that the, the ratios, it was really cheap to own a house when it was at 198, if that makes sense, right? But Andy, I, I've showed you like many different things we put on here. Who knows what stats are right, but a lot of people say the home affordability has been the lowest of all time, basically now. And again, I'm not, now, yes. I, I'm not this YouTube comic guy because I live like a rock star, a life that I thought I needed millions and millions of dollars to live, right? So I'm very blessed to be born when I was blessed or when yeah. I was. But uh, yeah. I just don't know. It's it's our first YouTube hate comment. We spent 15 minutes on it. So no, let's but you know, later. Nick, hang on. That, that is, you're not wrong, but you're not wrong. I mean, you, you are correct. Right now, today, um, if, if a, a young person came to me and said, hey, I want to go buy a house, right now, it's the first time in 40 years that it's been this low. And that's because houses did skyrocket out of price range, and, and so did jobs, and so did inflation. And all of a sudden, now, interest rates went up, so the payment went up. And that throws off the whole equation. So the only thing that was holding affordability down was the, was the low interest rates. Gotcha. Hey, you guys were talking about what happened um, in your prime earning years. So I want you to see this chart and I want to hear your thoughts on it. Okay. Home prices dropped in July and August. Rivaled levels reached at the great financial crisis. Oh, wow. All right. This is wonderful. I think I've exceeded my talking limit. (laughs) (laughs) You were good. So So I get to talk. So what does it say? And in 2008, which was... Which was our time? It's it's still not quite uh, what that was, but um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just think now, just it just seems totally different, and and it's weird. I'll tell you what, it's really weird with uh, what what sells and what doesn't, and what gets activity and what doesn't. And um, but I I really think it's just people now are just thinking a little longer. I mean, because there's listings out there that are you know, going 30, 40 days, which is fine. I mean, what is it? A month and a, a month and a half now. So, I mean, yeah. the average listings is going to take you 45 days in which to sell, you know, I mean, back mm -hmm. when in 2008, I mean, by that time, Andy, were we not, um, I mean, right before we hit it, I think it was 2006, we were at like seven months of inventory and then everything went to heck. And then we were like at a year and a half or something like that, which is, yeah. I mean, which is not, that's not good. And so I've, I am seeing some things happening now where some people are trying to jump in and, and, and get out. And so they're kind of giving their houses away because they're just moving on to something else. There's people that are, hey, I'm getting rid of this because there's a real good opportunity that I'm going to jump on. And they're almost just swapping like equities in a way. Well, you know, and, and I agree. And I think that there's, you know, if we look at the reality, let's let's because it's an easy number, a million dollar house. OK. That house three years ago was worth six fifty, right? Now it's worth a million, and and on paper, right? And then all of a sudden they drop it to nine fifty or nine hundred thousand just to dump it. They're still up two hundred fifty thousand from where they were two years ago, guys. Those those are those legs. Remember I talked about those offers would come in. They'd list at nine hundred. They'd get offered a million five. Now the neighbor would list at a million five and try to get two hundred, you know, or what, or two hundred thousand or whatever more. And so the problem we've had is that we've had this high demand market, low inventory environment, which we're still in. And people that were tired of waiting were willing to pay more just to get it over with. They wanted to. And so that's where this artificial appreciation, I think, really came in was when people were overbidding each other just to get a place. Or like you think about like Prior Lake, Chris, like you told me, you can't get on Prior Lake for under a million dollars anymore unless it's a fluke. Right. So now oh. you take a lake like that and everything's a million dollars plus and people come along and they've got their five million dollars in their pocket. And they don't want to fight anybody. And they say, you know what? That's listed for 1.2. Let's offer them one five cash and close. And they and that's what's happening, guys. It's not that the houses are appreciating. The one thing that I would really like to point out, though, with all of this is that when you take the average home in the Twin Cities, you know, pushing $400,000 and I don't know, was it three years ago? We were at 300000 And those houses are not seeing the same problems we're talking about here on the top end of the market where it's, it's you know, big swings or the coasts where the, the houses went up 28% last year. So, yeah, I think, you know, pull that chart up one more time. Is this a, I didn't see on the side. Is it, um, it doesn't say where this is, but what about um, Andy? What we've seen always is that it, uh, it starts at the coast and comes in. And so you can usually get an indicator of what's happening in a, in a California or a New York to be able to try to, come up with what's going to happen to us i mean within a year or two so i i would i would venture to guess that uh, a lot of that you know horrible horribleness that's happening has got to be on the coast that's well they, yeah they were saying that already like negative six percent on the coast but okay. again you went from 650 to a million you're used to getting offers for a million one million two and it's back down to 950 we're not talking catastrophic numbers, guys. And I, right. I'm not trying to defend it. And I'm not trying to say it's going to stay there. We, If we keep talking this way, yeah, we'll talk ourselves into a housing crisis. You yeah. can. It's real easy. People lose confidence. They start consumer not confidence. offering. Yep. It's consumer confidence. That's for sure. So. That's why I like bringing these up for you guys to refute it and give us confidence back. Because it is. Everywhere I look for the show when I do it, the outline, people are you know, worried. So you guys need to be the, the, the light for everyone. Well, and I let think me ask you a question right now. You know, if you had a million cash sitting there and, and you didn't know what was going on in the world, and this is what I'm seeing a lot of right now, and you're sitting there with a million, half a million, even a half a million bucks. And, and you don't know, you don't want to put it in the stock market. You're nervous about that. You're nervous about um, the, the value of a dollar. You're nervous about crypto. You're nervous about all these crazy things in the world. People start looking for tangible, hold it, Hold it in your hand, tangible investments. What are those tangible investments? Food, ammunition. Ammunition, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. Then you need to buy a bunker. When you, you, need get a, you, 
yeah, you got to have down. a house. You got to have a house to put your ammunition in. Hey, speaking of bunkers, here in Albania, I got a vlog coming out about going through a bunch of the bunkers. Uh, there's like 200,000 bunkers from the last like 40 years. They had a communist dictator here, and they're just everywhere. So you can go hide in one, and it is it is really fascinating. How... Kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. You should watch the vlog, Andy. I'll send it to you after this. I will. I will for sure. Okay, so hey, Andy, do you want to do uh, Chris's commercial here before we go to our new segment? Yes. All right. Hey. How long you've been sitting there dreaming about that dream home on the lake and you've been thinking, you know, boy, I just, I, I, I'm worried about making a mistake, especially in that price range. Well, let me rest you, uh, rest assured that I've got a guy that I can refer you to. This guy, not only does he know the lake, he knows each piece of the lake shore, knows everything about the, the hard, how hard the sand is, where the, the deeper water is, where the fish bite, where the, how to get closer to the Charlie's or whatever it is on the lake. Chris Rooney's your guy. Chris Rooney will help you not only buy, not only is a, he's an owner himself, but he's remodeled, flipped, and helped other people do the same thing on that lake. So you want a sure thing. You want to feel good about your investment. You want to feel good about your real estate agent. I know a guy. You call this guy right here. <laughs> wow. I don't know anything about fish, just so you know that. It's a commercial. I was bit by a fish on at Sandpoint Beach when I was 11 years old. And I've never gone in the water unprotected since, just so you know. You're unbelievable. Yep. So you you know, Chris is the only guy I know that actually swims in his full clothing outfit like he's wearing right now. He goes, That's right his excuse, right? He got bit somewhere. So that's why he wears a shirt. Now it's not to cover his belly, but okay. Yeah. God forbid the belly burn. But you know what happens when <laughs> you tan? I have that's that's the last 20 years. Before that, it was it was because of the fish. Okay. You know the old my old uh, brother in law used to tell me he goes well you know what tan fat is muscle yeah. muscle. <laughs> so all these old fat guys get all tan. Like hey, hi guys! I got some cool um, videos, marketing videos from agents. I want to hear you guys' opinions on them. So they're about a minute and two minutes. So sit back and check it out. You know, I don't reckon a day goes past in this job where someone doesn't say to me, hey Dan, I'm looking for something, you know, an old house in a good street. You know, something I can knock over and build my own. And I'm always like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, don't have one. But I do today. Just a little hop, skip and a jump over this fence and... Oh shit. Right. Commercial break, man. Commercial break. <laughs> Didn't see that coming, the old pins, eh? Lost a bit of spring in the last three months. Serves me right for skipping leg day. Now, let's take a look at this bad boy. You've seen the drone shots, right? Oh, my back. 627 square meters. Bit of a dip here, but don't worry, you'll sort that out. Your garages will probably go under there. Maybe a pool up in the corner there, or a big deck off the back. I don't know, you decide. There's heaps of possibilities with a block this size. Oh, yeah. And don't look past the fact that this is a corner block. Great access and way easier for construction. Now, about the house. If there was much to show you about it, then I'd show you. But there's not much to show. But I'll show you anyway. Yep, I reckon there's about a 5% chance that house will still be there in 12 months' time. Great schools over here, Indrapilly State. Everyone wants that one. And just down the road here, about 100 metres, one of the best cafes in Turinga. Yeah, that about sums up the majority of it. So, off oh, nah, I might just take the gate, eh? Not 18 anymore. That was great. Fantastic. I, I actually, I, I really like him. That's yeah. one of the first ones I've seen where I'm like, I get it. I, I think it's funny. Could you could you imagine the talking to a seller and tell him you're going to say that, hey, your house your house pretty much sucks, and we've got to try to, you know, get someone else to think about building something new on here because of the yeah. location and stuff, and then play off of that. But it's it's fantastic. I can just imagine uh, how many views that thing has had. Well, and, and think about this, Chris. That might be like like in our local Twin Cities market, like a Wyzetta or an Edina or you know where. 
that is the land is more valuable probably than the actual house structure. Like somebody would come in there and want to build something that's magnificent versus, you know, remodel something that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I, that's cool. That was a good commercial, Nick. Yeah, it was really good. Social media wise. I mean, that, that thing's fantastic. Plus he's yeah. funny. Yeah. It's Australian dudes and their whole company is starting to blow up on the real estate, uh, um, TikTok, Instagram real space. I see him collaborating with a bunch of people we've uh, showed on here before. I think it's interesting when you you just got to be flat out honest. We're I'm working on a property right now that it's almost like, and I'm not doing it, but I'm, I'm promoting other properties to be able to show them that, hey, if you want this, it's going to cost you almost twice as much to do what you got to do. You can make some of the changes that you need here and have the same thing or probably even better for, you know, uh, a third of the cost so it's uh it, it's interesting take but it's sometimes you know sellers want oh my gosh it's all about me it's all about my house and everything's got to be perfect about it but there's no house that's perfect and i think that just gives kind of people like oh my god okay they're they're not trying to trying to fake it out and someone's going to be able to see value in that and see the fact that i mean it's entertaining so number one a lot of people are going to see it and then all of a sudden it's like, you know what? That's what I do. I redo it. I, I put in houses. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna check this thing out. So that's mine. That's my opinion. I, I, plus, I would just enjoy his energy. He's he's comedic, and yet, you know, hey, you call me normally, do you have a house to flip? And I'm like, no, I don't. Right. Yeah, yeah he's like definitely got the self-deprecating humor the Australians have. I, I've seen a couple of his videos and though. He does a lot of that, like uh, that bit where he falls down, like on a skateboard and some other different ones. And I mean, right. don't you think that's a little clowny, though? I mean, if that's his it, who he is. For sure. But. For sure. But it's funny. I think I think especially if he does it on all of them, it's kind of his little thing. It's kind of his mark that he's just a little clumsy and he's a little awkward. And he does. He talks awkward. And so it makes you just think that, hey, that's just who he is. We've got a guy in our office that. uh I mean, is like no other, and we we all know him, John Pfeiffer. Yeah. And it's kind of like you know, if, if John Pfeiffer tries to be this quiet guy and um, give people, you know, just sit down and advice versus you know yelling and all over the place and you know skateboarding down the the parking lot and remember well, that one time life, at the, remember the radio show when I I made a comment one time, Nick. I said, you know, I get down to the radio show. And I just walk around like downtown, just get my exercise before you. And so then Pfeiffer goes in and does this video searching for me walking around downtown. And so he's flying through. What was he on? A scooter or something? He was, no, he was on rollerblades. And he was like going up to even like the Twin Stadium and like interviewing the statue of Sid uh, Hartman going, have you seen Chris Rooney? <laughs> Who? You don't know him? What? Everyone knows him, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and then he went to the convention center, and there's people walking in. They go, excuse me, have you seen Chris Rooney? Yeah. And they're like, who's Chris Rooney? Yeah. This would have blown up on TikTok nowadays. You should have did it now. We should get him back. We, yeah. We, uh, Life. Yeah. Oh, Pfeiffer. God, he made me laugh so hard. I, so this is the same company here, the Australian company, and this is a different type of agent in their program or brokerage. Ah, 16 Rokeby Terrace, Turingo. It reminds me of a lot of things, but mainly it reminds me of, well, me. It's about 100 years old. Now, the thing I love about these old cottages is the character and charm. High ceilings, VJ walls, gorgeous fretwork. Yeah, loads of character and charm. Just like me. A generous block, 640 square metres. There's room to renovate, extend, build in underneath, like others have done in the street. Yeah, she may be 100 years old, but these stumps, they're in perfect nick. Just like me. All imaginable shopping, schools and medical needs are close by. Many within walking distance. Oh, and did I mention the roof? Fully intact. Oh yeah, this house is in good order for its age. And just like me, this house is looking for a new owner. Just like you. That's probably a little more our speed, huh? Yeah, again, he's kind of going to play off that I'm old bit. And, uh, you know, which is, which is kind of cool, you know? Yeah. 
I think it's funny. I actually, I really, I, uh, th this is more my speed, more my kind of, when you guys say Andy do TikToks, this kind of stuff would be more my speed if I ever did them. Or I'm supposed to be saying when I do them. I think it's the, I think the TikTok thing is almost the same thing. It's just kind of a shorter rather than just a house. But yeah, you're 100% that I was thinking of you, um, especially on the first guy too. Oh my God. If, if I wouldn't literally permanently hurt myself jumping over a fence, I would totally do that, but I'd be still laying there. What would your, what would your little stick be? You're that. I, I would literally, I would jump the fence and then I'd still be laying in the yard. I'd do the whole commercial for me laying in the yard. No, the flip-flops. That would be your thing. You know, you're going to the house and all of a sudden you just, you take off your flip-flops and they're there right at the entryway. Hey, I, funny enough, I, yesterday was um, uh, walking a 20-acre property that we're looking at, putting on the market or building a house, subdividing into a couple pieces. And I show up and there's horses everywhere. And I show up in my shorts and my flip-flops. And the guy does the old up and down. He comes back up and goes, well, do you want to rebook this appointment? And I go, I don't mind getting a little horse crap between my toes. Let's go. <laughs> Oh, oh god! Yeah, hey, we walked the whole farm. I didn't care. I mean, I, it's not like I'm an amateur with my flip flops. I know how to step. <laughs> uh, Have you ever had a dreams that that you um you had you 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 could you do you you want you you could do so you you do you could you you want you want. We do a thing at our office. I actually uh, do it. It's usually once a month, and we we do different things like that. Because I always say, you know, you you'd much rather embarrass yourself in front of me and other agents than you do your first client. And yeah, I think that's the problem with real estate is people don't study that stuff or or practice it and what their presentation is going to be. And that's exactly what happens. That's why a lot of them lose. And some other well, pick, pick the best athlete you know. And and think about that for a second. The best athlete that you know, and you're like, oh, they're the best in the world at whatever they do. They don't practice. Wrong. They probably practice twice as much as the the beginners, so they can keep up. at that level, right? A lot of it's natural, but I'll tell you what, a lot of it, you know, is practice and repetitiveness, and you know, they call them scripts, but I don't like to call them scripts. I just like to like do improv, where like a couple agents will sit down and actually talk to each other. Like, how do you greet somebody at an open house? I go, if you go to an open house and say, uh Hey, uh, this is the parade of homes. They know that. And you say, how many parade models have you been through? Waste of a question. Who cares? Right? It's like, so what brings you out looking at parade models today? Are you from the neighborhood? You shopping for a new house? How do I help you? How do I get the most out of your visit today? How can I help you? I think about it. I mean, you know, yeah. and, and you got to practice that stuff. It doesn't just roll out. Anyway. Yeah. How do we get the most out of your visit? I like that. Yeah. Because because that might be, hey, I just I'm just looking for ideas. Well, you know what? I have all the paint colors and everything. If you need that, just let me know. See, see, but that's why you're a professional, Chris. You know the paint colors, you know where to send them to find the colors. You know, like for example, oh yeah, we get all of our lighting or whatever at Ferguson. We did this at this store. Um, and oh, by the way, go check out if you want an idea for a master bath. This house has a really cool master bath for ideas. By the way, Andy. The coolest range we had it in our model it's a sks first of all you can get everything within a couple months which is amazing but it's um it's kind of like the lg top series and they're kind of jumping into the thermidor wolf viking but this thing is the awesome you would love it andy it's it's you it's a 48 inch and Ooh. it's got a sous vide already in it it's got no four, four gas burners and an induction um piece to it and then there's a, a steamer oven and then the normal oven and it's i mean it's unreal it's about four it's fourteen thousand bucks um but it, it looks good you know but everyone looks and you're at a two million dollar house and they're like oh my gosh it's not thermidor it's not viking or it's not wolf and it's like hey this is the same thing they're jumping into the business because so much more uh capabilities it's amazing you know, that is that is a uh, something that I, I like those kind of widgets, you know, that nicer stoves or the nicer, yeah. um, you know, it just the things that you feel and touch every day in a home are so important. And I just I think a lot of builders skip over that, you know. Yeah. 
Yep. Hey, going back to the last thing, though, I, I want to ask Andy, because, Andy, you are very charismatic. I've noticed it when I go back and edit these uh, these clips. I don't have to edit much from you. Like, you can speak very fast without saying, uh, the, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I wonder, how did are you a natural, or how did you get good at, at the speaking? I'm a smartass by nature. And, uh, no, I think that, you know, when it comes down to it, um, I just, I'm passionate. I think, and, and I'm just... I don't know. I guess I don't know how to describe that. I don't know how to say it. I just, I'm very passionate about what I'm talking about. If we were talking about something that I'm not as good at, um, I'd probably have the ums and the ahs and the, and, you know, struggle more, but I'm do, you know, Chris and I do this every day. So this is, this is like, you know, you're catching us in the shop, right? Like it's like talking to a mechanic as he's pulling the transmission out of a truck and he's like, well, you grab this bolt, the other, and he knows all the names of the parts. And he, then you grab this uh, C17 filter, you put it right here. I'd sit there going, um, we take the the oily thing out and we do the, um, and then you gotta wash your hands because it'll slip. Um, I don't know. But well, you just told me, you just told me the pros practice twice as hard as the others. So you guys must have done something to, to speak so good. And you speak, I know Chris is very good in person, but you're a better speaker on this radio show than Chris. Oh. Yeah, so I, I'm asking, do you, how did you get this good? I don't know. Um, um, I'm, um, maybe, um, I can maybe, um, help that. <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, right? this whole radio thing is a lot different because it what it used to be, I mean, remember, and I'm the, always the one that like had to run it, you know, and be the guy oh. that would ask the questions and do it. And it now being on the other side, it's just, it's different because it's not like you're controlling the conversation and like we're doing Things with, uh, you know, whatever, trying to get a buyer. Well, let me, to let me put it this way. I think that Chris is fantastic at running it too, because we, when we would sit there and do the radio show, um, sometimes there were days where we'd come in there and say, you know what, we've got enough hot air to run this whole machine. Let's just, you know, go. And we wouldn't even really have a topic. We'd let people call in and we'd answer questions. So we've been doing this for Chris, how long? 12 years, 15 years. I don't know. Don't this know. isn't new to us, you know, so it, it, that that's part of it. So the practice is there. The background is there, but Chris used to, um, in, in my opinion, direct the conversation or bring us back on topic. And I, I really liked being behind the scenes. I didn't like running. It's the first one thing I don't like to run. I'm a control freak on everything else except the radio show. I was like, uh, I'm, I'm okay. Let, let Chris run it. I'll follow his lead. And, and it worked great. But I think, Nick, your question is basically that I think we do it more often. I mean, we get more opportunities to talk to people, but yeah. it's a, I think it's an interesting thing. And the other part is, is that you control the narrative. And that's what I was kind of getting at is that I'm finding out what they want to talk about, but then I'm going to put it into how I want to present it to them. So it's, it's almost like this, like you're asking us a question and maybe putting us on, on the spot is different than me being able to know where I'm going with it and where I want to eventually get it. And I think that's what happens when we're out working with people is that, you know, I mean, my goal is here is to be able to get this home, not only listed, but I want to get it priced here. So it ends up paying me later on. And so you're leading them to that conclusion. And usually, you know what people want. Um, I mean, people usually want the most amount of money in the quickest amount of time. And so you, you kind of have that your arsenal ready. But I think the other thing that Andy does and that might be part of his little commercial is that he's able to ad lib a lot and, and be able to kind of switch it and, and take an analogy and, and, and push it off to something that's kind of fun, maybe regather himself of what he's trying to say. And then he comes back and he nails it. And so I think that's, I think that's a, that's a, a sales technique and it's a, it's a personality piece. And I think talk about the self, deprecating thing he kind of he does that to himself but he also demands um the respect because of what he's done so i think it's kind of a it's i don't know it's 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 an interesting combination we'll just say that i've been intrigued by it for about 13 years now so i don't make it i don't make sense to anybody <laughs> i mean for god's sakes what is lisa i mean can you imagine that what I, that I, life what that life is like uh, I think she wears. Uh, she she literally runs around the office with these on right here. Yeah, exactly. She doesn't like listening to it. 
Uh, I have to wear these. I, I these are my focus headsets. So you know the old uh, the old gun range ones. Put yeah. these on and I just sit here because otherwise anything distracts me, man. I guarantee he does that too. It is flip flops. <laughs> hey, I didn't think get... they were so easy to grab. They're right in my cabinet next to my desk. Hey Andy, how do you come up with the marketing stuff for your listings and and different things that you do? Is it you got to put on your gun range headphones and then do it or? I mean, like me, a big thing with me was sitting at Buffalo Wild Wings and coming up with it. I need, I need like disruption and activity going around, and then I can really hone in and concentrate. Really weird. You know, it's funny you say that because I uh, years ago I had to, I took a course on professional business writing and how to abbreviate and sh don't take a paragraph down to a sentence. People don't need the whole paragraph, and and then I got too short on my descriptions, like you know. And so what? What then? I took a there was a. a I forget the name. She's actually from the Twin Cities. She wrote a book on becoming a storyteller. And she said, if you bring your customer on a journey with the words that, you know, you kind of wordsmith it like, hey, you know, you drive down this beautiful street, you pull up under this beautiful, you know, driveway, you walk in the beautiful front, you know, the doors. Obviously, I keep using the word beautiful, but, you know, and then you walk them through the house and you describe the house as you walk through it. That's my style of writing my, my content, my ad content or copy, as you call it. And then the shorter or the different formats that we put it into, that's where we actually will take that story and almost abbreviate it down where like um, when I go through a house to list it, um, I when we sign the listing agreement, I walk through there and I bullet point room by room the things that I like in that room or things I think we should point out in our ads. And there are times, you know, where the house is, it's five pages of content and it's too much. Right. And then there's times where like that, that last ad we saw with the guy saying it's an older house and there's not much to show you. Um, there, there are times where that's the case too. And then you focus on who's my audience. So is it, is it the flipper? Um, is it a, you know, an investor? Is it a, you know, first time home buyer that wants to buy it and fix it up themselves and keep it? So then we write the ads, like we're writing it to that person. Yeah. You, you identify your target buyer and then you go after them without, without leaving everyone else out of the picture. Because I think if you, I mean, some people think, oh my gosh, you know, it's going to be a family with three kids. And if the whole story is written like to that family and three kids, you just stiff that, you know, beginning couple that plans to have three kids. And so it's, it's like, you got to kind of, yeah, that's who we're going after, but you can't leave everyone else out. So it's how you kind of deliver that message Can and be honest. Be honest yeah. of what you've got. Don't don't fabricate it too bad. Oversell it. Yeah, yeah I, some of our our photos will do that for us nowadays, man. The photographers that are out there that you know they take the shots, they shoot the right angles, they you know make sure that all the they they play with the windows like so you can see through the windows, and um, they're not manipulated at all. They're just sometimes they take like the, the overexposed, the underexposed, they blend them together. And that's where you get that HDR photography. So you'll never see that perfect combination of lighting in that house. So you do see people that come out and say, this looks really different than it does on the pictures online. Well, the pictures online are perfect because it, it perfectly lights the room. You can see through the window at the same time that the sun's coming through in person. That doesn't happen that way. Every, every, you know, hour changes the look of a room based on where the sun's at. So it, you know, it's just interesting. I don't know. I agree with you, though. With You got to be a little careful. Don't oversell it. Don't undersell it. Yeah, you can't manipulate things. It's better to leave them out than to manipulate them because once they get there, they'll be disappointed. And that's all they'll think about is that kitchen that, my gosh, it looks so much bigger than that picture. And, and while they're looking at this beautiful family room with a two-story fireplace and gorgeous windows out to this walkout wonderland, and they're thinking about that kitchen that you, you faked them on. So... Um, yeah. You get them in there on the right premise and then, you know, the house uh, lures them in and then your collateral materials and or brochures, whatever that you have kind of feed on that. And I always say, you know, there's advantages and disadvantages to a house. And we got to we got to push those advantages, the positives, push them and then justify or try to help them get over those uh, disadvantages, such as a two car garage. And and I to me, it's not like, hey, dummy. It's a two-car garage, but you never have three cars anyways, and there's a shed out back. You could just mm -hmm. say, hey, shed, perfect for all your lawn equipment. And then they say, oh, my gosh, we don't need three cars anyways. We just put two cars. We can use that as our storage, and that takes over the three-car garage. 
kind of mentality. So perfect. Yeah, it's, you know, and sometimes the the photos aren't like you said, depending on the time of the year too. There are houses where I suggest they sell their house in the winter because the outside is rough or the yard is rough or it's burnt out or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I think it's going to hurt us if we do aerials on this house. I, a couple of years back here, I had one that we were um, helping one of the agents on my team with. And, you know, the, the photography was fantastic. But what you were seeing was horrible. It was actually showing like a burnt out yard and garbage cans in front of the house when they took the pictures. And so I'm like, you got to help your client here go back and redo these photos, only take the photos of the rooms that are complimentary. You don't need 50 photos. You could have five and that's enough to get you showings and get the house sold, intrigue people, get them there. And then they'll overlook some of that other stuff. And sometimes less is more too. Yeah. Okay. Hey, to finish this, the social media reacts, I got a double edged meme. It's going to hit on our YouTube comment. It's going to back my side up and your side up. So already here's the first one. Buyers in the 80s, I'm fully prepared to pay 18% of my mortgage. And buyers today, 7% on a mortgage, I'm never getting a house. Yep. This is a, a tradition. This is like an old meme about the, the big strong dog and the weak little dog, yeah. right? You can notice that. Okay, so there's the first one. Here's the second one. You want to read it? <laughs> Six baskets of raspberries is a great deal for this three bedroom house. That's the buyer from the 80s. Buyers today, I can't believe I'm paying 600K for a house someone bought for six baskets of raspberries. <laughs> Amen. Oh, I, oh I, my yeah, God. That, we could have saved 20 minutes if you would have just put that one up right at the beginning. Oh. That's what Andy was talking about the whole time right there. <laughs> Every generation has its, its pros and its cons, and in, in context is probably very relative and very valid for, for the time they were there and the situation they were in. And it, it it's, I think life is challenging. Right. And I, and I think that there always are opportunities and someday, hopefully Nick for you guys and your kids and everything else, somebody will look back and go, God, remember when you could get a house for under 15 million. Oh my God. That was so great. Now houses are 20, 25 million uh, for a house in the city and they're a hundred million for the country houses. And, and you're like, Oh my God, cars are a billion. It is, it is something else. I, re, I remember when I first got into real estate, just dreaming of being able to sell a million dollar home. I mean, because there wasn't many of them. And oh. uh, I remember I got my first opportunity and it ended up going under a million. I mean, it was listed over a million, but it went under a million. I was just like, oh, I wanted to be that million dollar, that million dollar guy. But now it's, yeah. I mean, it's not super crazy uncommon. So, yeah. Okay, Chris, Andy's commercial. Did I do it? All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got uh, a little, uh, a real estate man out there named Andy Prasky. He's not only just Andy Prasky, he has a beautiful wife, Lisa, who does all this work. Um, no, I didn't say that. She doesn't do all his work, but he's got a whole team, He literally a whole team that uh, handles a lot of uh, kind of the, the running around. But the advantages to that are that they're always ready for you. You can at least call them at any time. And if Andy can't do it, Andy's an appointment. He's working just like you wouldn't want him to be interrupted while you're talking. He's already got a team in place that can get out and show you that house. Andy will handle all the negotiating and get you in, get you the best deal that he possibly can. He'll come in his flip-flops, his shorts. But don't confuse that for not being professional. He's very professional, but he is who he is. And I think that's who you'd want for an agent. Andy Prasky at the Preferred Home Team. That was great. Thank you. <laughs> so, I like there we go. That. We could do these commercials all the time. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Just, just hit record, Nick. That's all you need to do. Okay, so we got another uh, to test you guys about, um, you know, we usually do sell this home and I do a random listing and you sell it. Now I want you to sell the city, but... Not just the pros, but also the cons. You're not going to be just a salesman to someone that wants to buy in this area. So I'm going to put this uh, Google Maps up here. And Chris, you can go first. Oh, boy. So you're going to tell me what city and I got to sell it. All right. Yep. Oh, there Can't we wait to see what this city is. All right, hold on. Winnipeg. Columbia Heights. 
Okay. You even know where that is, Chris? What Winnipeg? <laughs> yeah, Winnipeg. they got a hockey. They got a hockey team there. Yeah, yeah. Heard they're good. Oh, Bell Plain. Is that where we're going? Yeah. Yes. It's funny you should bring up uh, right by Emma Crumbies right there. Emma Crumbies, some of the best pie you'll ever find. But uh, oh, yeah. Bell Plain is really relatively close to the Twin Cities. Um, you're going to get a lot better value of a home, but you're right down 169. So great traveling for commute. Uh, to be able to get into the city. But uh, the other thing is, is that there's it's an old town feel, but yet some real new amenities because of the highway going through the town. Um, just outside, Cambria is located, so there's a lot of good uh, jobs that are around there as well. You can get um, old-fashioned living, living downtown, kind of sitting by the old, uh, the old bars and the whole fun. I mean, literally old city downtown. And or you can get uh, new construction and or acreage. It's really right by the Minnesota uh, riverbeds there down on the <clears throat> that all runs along there. They have super cool bridges uh, that run through there as well. Now you have there's some flooding that has happened out there, you know, that you have to deal with. But, you know, a little flooding with getting all that nature and all those bike trails and everything, it might be worth it. But if you want to get a place where you can get a, a good value home. Um, I just actually just sold one in there and uh, that probably would have gone for 400 in Prior Lake. They got it for 315 out in uh, Bell Plain. So just a little further out and you're set and ready to go. Cons. I said a couple cons. So you, get, you get a little flooding. I mean, it's a little ways out. I mean, with gas prices, it's going to. You got guys like me going down to the world's largest candy store. That's a con. Yeah, world's yeah. There's yeah. There's a lot of other things other than candy there though, but I think you know Bell Plain. I think anything, anytime you get something on the edge in the suburbs, um, you it's USDA financing, so that means that you know the the government feels that it's outside of the metro area, and uh, you're allowed to be able to do zero percent loans on uh, properties out there. But when you're outside like that, too, um, it tends to not get the appreciation that you would um, in the metro as fast. It, it grows. It's just like the, the coasts on the outside, they, they grow quicker than what the Midwest does. And that's the same thing here with Bell Plain. Nice. Okay. You know what they sell at that, that candy store, Chris, that I really like? What? They've got that uh, roads. It's called Roadside Brand. Um, just roadside um, popcorn, and if you they have a couple different kinds of kernel. Get the white kernel and put that on medium heat at home and make your own popcorn. It is some of the best tasting, fluffiest, um, fantastic popcorn. And I, I thought it was a gimmick at first. And uh, we go through that town on the way to um, Augustana down in Sioux Falls, so we kind of meander down 169 like that. And uh, so we always stop in there and grab the popcorn. Yeah. Yeah, there's it's a that's an interesting little joint, that's for sure. For sure. Uh oh. All right, Andy's turn. Hugo. Uh I have a house for sale there. No, Hugo's great, man. It's right up 35E. Um, you know, the, uh, if you like a short commute to St. Paul, but also there's a couple of, uh, sneak across, um, routes in that area to the left or to the West of there, that rice Creek, um, park over there is just fantastic. The Wagamon and, uh, the other way, Nick, um, on the other side of 35E. Yep. Right over there. The rice Lake chain of lakes, that park system is amazing. Trails, uh, canoeing, kayaking. It's, it's unbelievable. Cool stuff. And that main street, it's kind of a fun drive. Um, you drive through there, you get the, there's no houses in there. So you come through Centerville, you go right around the lakes um, and uh, great school. Centerville schools are some of the highest ranked schools around. Um, when you get into the Hugo on the other side of the freeway, though, where I think you originally clicked, um, Hugo uh, splits the district. You've got the Forest Lake, I believe, school district kind of on the north side. And then you have the uh, Matamidi district or the white bear lake district on the south so it's like three school districts so and you know and depending on where you what you prefer you uh obviously have lots of options there um great small town um you know they have all the fast food they've got a caribou 
They have uh, uh, Dunkin' Donuts and McDonald's, uh, you know, all the fun stuff. And the Blue Heron restaurant there is actually very nice. So it has that shopping, Savoy Pizza. That's all. Cons? Cons? Um, I, I feel like when you're in Hugo, the for the same reasons that draw you there to kind of be away from things, you're kind of away from some things. It's a few-minute drive to a Target. Um, or, you know, but you always have Forest Lake right to the north. You can go down 61 uh, right into uh, Wiper Lake. So if you want other options. Um, and, and I think that the, the school district does become a problem for some people when they're moving districts around. You know, they're swaying those boundaries around. And you have one kid going to Matamidi, one kid going to Forest Lake. Um, and, you know, but they open and roll a lot of those developments. So that's, that's the only kind I can think of. Otherwise, it's a, it's a great town. I think schooling's really changed now um just because so many, you have so many different options in in what to do and what you want to do that i don't think it's uh, affecting the i mean some some school districts still are but i don't think it's affecting prices as bad as it used to i i know there's a once southwest christian opened which is kind of in that chaska chanhassen um area the upper bracket in shakopee started really pushing up you know, because maybe the people didn't want to go to school there, but that was kind of like uh, a midway to be able to get like to freeway and access, yet not so far for their kids to be able to drive out there. So I've had a few people go out there that uh, kids are going to that or private schools. And so I think that's changing a lot. And I mean, the more that school choice kind of comes into play, I think that's going to happen as well. Beautiful. Okay, our last thing, we're going to answer this question here from Reddit. Oh, here we go. All right. Home sold for less than what I offered. Apparently a property I bid on sold for less than what they offered. And they had a conventional loan, same as mine. I had a pre-approval letter, pre-approval letter and excellent credit. What are potential reasons the seller chose the lower offer? I'm relatively new to real estate, so apologies if a dumb question. A lot of, lot of reasons. Yeah. I was Go just going to say a lot of what we were looking at and in, in depending on how recent that was with active properties and sold properties, the, let's say that you offered more um, and we were seeing with like 20% down waiver, uh, waiver of appraisals or they would just forgive, you know, ah, yeah, you offered 450 close enough. You're putting 20% down. Who cares? Go ahead. We'll, we'll do that deal. So I, as a, a listing agent, was feeling much more comfortable with offers with bigger deposits, um, where then the banks are more comfortable making exceptions, right? Yeah. I think timing is a big part. Um, I actually just uh, lost a deal that uh, we were trying to push the closing till the end of January. And I think someone else was able to probably close faster. And that might have been important for them, not only to get where they were going, but also might have been, hey, I've got a, I've got a house I, I need to be able to purchase on the other side. And the, and the timing worked better for me. Contingencies, depending on, I mean, you just said price. I mean, contingencies are a big thing. One was, Andy said, appraisal. Uh, it might not have had an inspection. You know, no contingencies on inspection, no houses in which to be able to sell. Maybe they had a pre-approval letter, pre-approval letter versus pre-qualification. Big difference between the two. Hey, the lenders looked at it or the lenders dived into it and just makes it felt more comfortable with uh, the finances of that person. Yeah, you, you nailed it. I mean, I think that there's a lot. It, you're, you're pointing out a lot of times what I have to spend a lot of time on with people is like, listen, when you receive an offer on a house, it's yes, price is important, but is it going to perform? What's the likelihood of, you know, the percentage that it'll perform? And so we give it the sniff test and we have all those different things that we as agents are looking for to make sure that when you now decide to unpack, you know, or pack your whole world, put it into boxes, put it in that truck, that we make sure that there's somebody there to perform on that house for you. And, and there's some of those equations don't always end with getting the highest price. Um, sometimes it does, you know, you get that solid deal. It's five grand less that five grand or 10 grand might be worth, worth that peace of mind, knowing that they're giving you maybe $10,000 of non-refundable earnest money that, you know, even if we, you know what I'm saying? It's like, there's so many things that go into it that, um, sometimes sway people away from just price. 
And that's, I think we always think of when we buy things, prices, everything as a buyer, we, we want price, price, price. But sometimes as a seller, that's not always the most important thing. I mean, it's important, but not the most important. That's why I have your realtor talk to the other agent before mm -hmm. you offer. I, I can't tell you how many offers I get. I've never talked to the agent in my life. Yeah. It's crazy. It, it, it's foolish. And, and I think that they, they, if you, two, two more ounces of investment on your part as a buyer's agent to call that listing agent and say, Hey, listen, I see you have a lot of activity on the property. What's important to your seller? Uh, give me the closing date, home run. You can hit that. Um, how much do they want to see in earnest money or deposits? You know, do you think there's a need for inspections? Do they want us to waive anything? Do they want us to, you know, assume anything, any kind of assessments? Are there any, you know, things like that? Because I've had houses where people say, well, you know what? It's old fashioned. You're going to live there. I want you to pay the street assessment. It's $8,500. I'm not paying it. And in the, in the fine print, it just says that there's an assessment. Well, all of a sudden, we make our offer appropriate where we assume the assessment, but we make our offer reflect what we think is fair. And the seller's happy because they paid their assessment, right? So sometimes you can kind of win the, the, the argument by just doing the research. Andy, I had an offer not just not too long ago that we ended up losing, but the agent told me that it was very, very close, and I was over $20,000 less. But with what our terms were, they were super attractive to the seller. There you so, go, bud. Yeah. Oh, you're the pro. <laughs> I get hey, your average accepted for 20000 under every time. Hey. Every time. Every time. I never every lose. Time. I never lose. No respect. No respect. No. <laughs> hey, another great show. Make sure to uh, give us a like. We post three digestible clips on our Facebook and our YouTube. You can write us a review on Spotify or iTunes. Also, always send in your questions that you have, and we'll see you next week. Go Albania. <laughs> I'm leaving soon. Back to Italy. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.